I think buying low, you can make up for a lot of other mistakes, but nothing on the back end you can do can really make up for paying too much for something. Thousands of other pieces of advice that I've learned around the way, but I think that a lot of it comes down to buying low. Best ever listeners, I'm proud to announce Mini Masterminds as a component of this year's Best Ever Conference. This year's Best Ever Conference is virtual, so we've added something that we've never done before, and I'm confident you're going to get a lot of value from it. When you join the Best Ever Conference, you will be thoughtfully placed into a mini mastermind group. And to give you an idea of what these mini masterminds are, it's going to be about six to eight people, fellow Best Ever attendees. And if you've attended the Best Ever Conference, you know that the quality of attendees is very high. And we have experienced investors who are also good people. I'm sure there's some bad people out there, but I've never come across them at the conference. They're people who want to help and people who want to network and people who are successful already in commercial real estate. So you'll want to be a part of these mini masterminds. And in these mini masterminds, we're going to thoughtfully place you in a group with other attendees and you're going to have different meetings virtually with them and we're going to help facilitate those meetings. So they're going to be all around a topic and each of the masterminds will have a different topic. For example, one mastermind, you'll talk about what resources, relationships, investments, etc. have made the biggest difference in your life and what do you think you're missing for that next big life change or that next big milestone in business. So we're going to prompt your mini mastermind group with a topic and then you all will discuss and we'll do that for seven mini mastermind sessions. So you're going to get to know other attendees really well and you're going to get the maximum amount of networking opportunities to go deep with people because ultimately what I found out is the more people I know is beneficial, but what really moves the needle on business is going deep with a select number of people and really establishing substantive relationships with them. So go to BEC2021.com, sign up for the best ever conference, get thoughtfully placed in the mini mastermind group as a result of that mini masterminds are going to start november 1st and when you sign up now you're going to lock in the best price because prices go up each week and on top of this i'm going to give you a code so that you can get 10 percent off and that is my bec 10 so when you sign up at bec 2021.com put in the code my my bec 10, the number 10, and you'll get an additional 10% off. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. 
you're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best of your listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. My name is Theo Hicks. And today we are speaking with James Evans. James, how are you doing today? I am doing great. How are you doing, Theo? I'm doing great as well. Thanks for asking and thanks for joining us. Looking forward to our conversation. Before we jump into that, let's go over James's background. So he is the owner of Gladstone Capital. He has six years of real estate investing experience and has a portfolio of 20 rental units, condo conversions, limited partnerships, and creative joint venture deals. So a little bit of everything. He is based in Boston, Massachusetts, and you can say hi to him at his website, which is gladcap, G-L-A-D-C-A-P dot com. So James, do you mind telling us a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on today? Absolutely. So quick version of the background. I was a finance major in 2006 through 2010. So through the financial crisis, got out of school and ended up getting a job at PricewaterhouseCoopers on the consulting side of their business. So I was traveling around all the time. I would basically leave DC where I was living on Monday, fly out to my client site, fly back on Thursdays. It got crazy. I was just living on the road, never had any local projects. And after a year, I decided that it was kind of stupid to be paying rent with all the time I was spending in hotel rooms. So I convinced a couple of my friends to let me just crash on their couch during the weekends. So paid a hundred bucks in rent or 200 or whatever it was. It was something very, very much lower than typical DC rent. So I was able to save a bunch of money that way. And then also traveling all the time. Most of my meals and things like that were expensive during the week. So it was a ton of fun flying all over the place, living that kind of nomadic lifestyle. I've been thinking for a while about saving up to kind of buy my first place and simultaneously moving back home to the Boston area. So went and looked around at a few places. And I guess the math I was doing was I wanted to be able to buy a two bedroom place where I could have a roommate to cover the majority of my living expenses. Living that kind of couch life, I got really addicted to the slow overhead lifestyle that I was living and wanted to keep that going. So ended up getting a really good deal on a place and everything kind of spiraled from there. Second part of the question is what was I focused on now, right? That's okay. So you bought a single family house and you rented out one of the units to someone else? It was a condo or the the, um, two bed, two bath condo. Yep. And rented out one of the bedrooms. Perfect. So what are you doing today? Today, like you said, I've kind of painted the board. I was doing a little bit of a lot of things. So in progress on a few joint venture development deals with other local partners around here have been slowly and steadily building up a multifamily portfolio of rentals, have done some property management for others. I've done things outside of real estate. I bought, owned, and operated and sold a website. I own a food truck with a few friends. So like you kind of mentioned, I'm all over the board right now. Yeah, you're doing it all. (laughs) Yeah. The kind of phase I'm in now is looking at everything through a different lens and figuring out what to actually keep on my plate and really focus on and try to compound my efforts on over the next 10 years or so. That's a good place to start. So you've got a lot going on and you also have a full-time job? Correct. Okay. What's your, <laughs> your day like? Like what's your week like? Are you waking up at four o'clock in the morning and is it blocked off to focus on each individual enterprise? I'm just curious. How do you do all that? So I wish I could tell you I was following the four-hour work week protocols correctly and was bashing all my emails and time blocking things out really well. But I think I try to do a little bit on everything every day and just keep momentum going. And like I said, now I'm kind of focused on subtracting out the superfluous and really the lens I'm looking at things through now is what I call return on headache. 
And I think what I want to do going forward is pick one, maybe two things that are really high headache, complex, take a lot of work to get through the other side of, but have a really high and kind of the rainbow at the end of the road or the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. I'm mixing up my phrases, but really high reward. And I think that's where the really high impact kind of life-changing things come from are these high headache, high return activities. And then also where I can pick off the low headaches, medium, the high return kind of things. And a lot of how I do the rental portfolios kind of fall into that category where I can put on some upfront time to make sure it's a good deal. But then I have property managers and hands off besides making decisions and holding people accountable. So I'm kind of using that lens to cut out the middle tier of that thing. So property management, the website I was running, I've really taken a step back. Like I sold the website. I've stopped doing property management for the most part and self-managing any of my own rentals. So just trying to find those areas where I can either pay or cut off to eliminate a good chunk of headache and time. Sure. Take up my day to day. I like that concept of return on headache. Let's make sure I'm understanding this properly. So you're saying that you want to focus on the things that do give you a headache, but that also result in higher returns than get rid of the things that aren't giving you a headache and then aren't giving you a high return. Yeah. Those are the kind of two categories I'm focused on. Okay. So one high headache, high return, and maybe one, maybe two things like that. I haven't quite narrowed it down yet, but I'd like one kind of meaty project slash 10 year goal to track through. That's going to be complicated. It's going to be messy that I think I can do a better job in and have a higher return than if I put that time into something else. So do you have an idea? Is it going to be real estate? Just in the intro, we've got your rental portfolio. We've got condo conversions. We've got limited partnerships and JV, some more passive deals. Do you have an idea of which one you, you plan on diving all in on or is it something that's not on that list? With the list right now, I would say building the multifamily portfolio is probably one of the highest priorities there. The joint venture deals I'm doing also kind of tend to be lower headache on my end. Again, some upfront work, but then pretty hands-off because I'm not super involved in the construction side of things. And I really like the people I'm working with, so I don't consider it a high headache thing. So those are kind of the two real estate related tracks I'm going to start focusing on. So bigger multifamily projects where I can have a property manager cash flow as well. And I can just kind of put it on autopilot for a five to 10 year period. And then the joint venture deals, which are more complicated and I get the kind of shadow and be involved with as it makes sense, but I don't have the weight of every single decision on my shoulders. I'm not getting calls from subcontractors in the middle of the afternoon and I can just be more involved on more of a strategic level. Sure. So you've got your 20 rental units. How many different properties is that? As of now, it's Five. So I have two six units, a five unit, a duplex, and a single family. Okay. I think um, that math checks out. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> so, so I said, I guess the biggest one you said is a six unit? Yep. So I have two six units. I'm on a contract on an eight unit right now as well. Okay. Let's talk about that eight unit on our contract. Yeah. So kind of walk us through where'd you find it? I mean, what's the purchase price? What's your plan? So it's in Manchester, New Hampshire. That's kind of the area I look in predominantly is Southern New Hampshire. And I can get into that later if we want to, but I found it through an agent. It was listed. My agent had it under contract with a different buyer. Six months go by and the buyer's circumstances change. The seller's taking forever to get documents back and they just couldn't get the deal closed. Seller's kind of upstate New Hampshire, no internet, everything gets paper signed to track down bills, financial statements, things like that. So just, it didn't work out for the last buyer. So I ended up coming in and offering significantly less amount than it was originally listed for 
So it grosses about 94,000 a year and we're buying it for 500. So good deal, good cap rate going in, pretty clear path improvement. Going to look at things like doing either rubs or separating out some of the utilities to reduce expenses. And then as the units turn over, we'll clean them up and fix what needs to get fixed to get higher rents. Do you so know kind what of the, a bread and butter. Sure. Do you know what the rehab costs are going to be and then how much you will be able to raise their rents by? Initial CapEx budget is going to be around 50000 and that's going to be spread out across the board. Some kind of common area, things that need to get fixed, and then unit turnovers. Some require a little more work than others. And then depending on the units, 50 to $100 a month in rent increase. You said we. So something else that I wanted to ask <laughs> too is how are you funding all of this? And then are you the only person or do you have business partners you're working with as well? Great question. So this is one of the first multifamily deals I felt comfortable enough to go out and raise private capital for us. We're doing that with private investors for some of the money. I'm going to put in some as well and then bank financing for the majority of it. So I do tend to say we more than I, because like anything, there's going to be a lot of people involved in this. Even if this was like the other rentals I have, where it's solely my own balance sheet and money, I have property managers involved, brokers involved, tenants involved. It's a team sport. So I kind of say everything with we, even if it's just me doing things. So this is the first time you're raising capital for the deal. How much money do you need to raise? How much do you already have? And then who are you raising? Who are these people you're raising money from? We'll raise between 75 and 100 and have about 60 so far and commitments for the rest. So we're just kind of waiting on closing date and a few other stipulations to get ironed out. But who are we raising money from? A lot of them have been investors from previous deals we've done. So the joint venture deals, those I've brought in investors into as well. That was kind of my trial run raising money. And it was an interesting, unique experience doing it because I had really experienced developers and operators that were kind of my backstop. I had always been hesitant to do something for my own projects because I felt like I needed to skin my knees and kind of learn using my own money before I would put anyone else's money at risk. So having two guys who do this full-time, one of them being a contractor who have kind of worked in the industry for a while, I was really confident in their ability to perform. I thought it was a great deal. So I felt really comfortable bringing my friends and family into the project. So we've done two deals together in these joint ventures. And now some of the investors who have kind of gotten to know us through that have expressed interest in things that provide monthly cash flow or quarterly cash flow versus development projects, which are you write a big check up front and then a year, year and a half, two years later, you get a bigger check back, hopefully. Yeah. So just to confirm, in the JB deals, one of your responsibilities was to raise capital. So you brought family and friends onto those deals. And then for this deal, you've got those same friends and family plus other people that the other JB partners brought on as investors in those deals for this deal. Yeah. Right? So the, the people I brought to other deals plus some of the people that cool. have kind of been following along and their time wasn't right or whatever you have it just kind of have been in the background, but now we're interested. And what kind of structure are you offering these investors on this deal? These are going to be notes at 10% monthly interest only payments to your term. So by that time we'll be able to get the rehabs done, do a cash out refinance on this one and a few other buildings. So that's kind of the game plan there. Perfect. Okay. James, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? In two words, just buy low. I think buying low, you can make up for a lot of other mistakes, but Nothing on the back end you can do can really make up for paying too much for something. Thousands of other pieces of advice that I've learned around the way, but I think that a lot of it comes down to buying low. Perfect. Okay, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. 
All right, first a quick word from our sponsor. Here's the problem with virtual events. You don't get to connect with others in the way that you would for in-person events. So with this year's Best Ever Conference, it is virtual and we're fixing that problem. We are introducing many masterminds where you're going to get to know six to eight real estate investors who are accomplished and who will help you and you will help them grow each other's business. Go to BEC2021.com, sign up for the Best Ever Conference, and enter the code MYBEC10, and you'll get a 10% off on top of the lowest price, which is today, because the prices go up each week. BEC2021.com. When it's Friday at 4.30 p.m., it's time for Entrepreneur Drinks Podcast, which is co-produced by Joint Ops Properties and Discount Property Investors. Join their end-of-the-work-week session as they tackle problems facing entrepreneurs. Listen and subscribe at entrepreneurdrinks.com. That's entrepreneurdrinks.com. Okay, what is the best ever book you've recently read? Say Living with a Seal by Jesse Itzler. My key takeaways from that were how much we tend to under-index our potential. There's an interesting story in there about him going in to do pull-ups with this Navy SEAL who he had hired to go live with him for a month. He did maybe 10 or 15 and was just toasted. Arms were linguine. But the SEAL made him stay until he did 100. And he did it. And I think the kind of key lesson throughout the book was that we tend to give up on things at about 40% of our actual potential. It's a fun, quick read to go through and it always kind of brings me back to that key takeaway. If your business were to collapse today, what would you do next? If business were to collapse today, what would I do next? It's tough because you have to think in terms of what does collapse mean. So I was kind of ready for that, right? And tried to prepare for people to stop paying rent as a result of COVID and things what would come next. But I'd be really grateful for the journey that's brought me down and what's happened. And I always know that was potential and you kind of have backup plans and cash sitting on the sideline waiting to go back. So I think that's a great equalizer in real estate. You're buying cash flowing assets. So one of the worst things that can happen is everyone stops paying rent at the same time. And then you're sitting with mortgage payments. So then what's the next step? Okay. Can I work with my lenders to defer my mortgage payments so that we can time up these cash flows better? If a fire burned down one of my buildings or something like that happened, you'd hope and pray everyone's okay and make sure you contact your insurance agent right away. So I think it kind of depends on the nature of the collapse. Out of all the deals you've done so far, what was the best ever deal? The best ever deal is maybe not always, but I think it tends to be the first one. The first place I lived got me started, got me interested in real estate. And I think everything circles back to the first condo I bought. And then the flip side, tell me about a time you lost money on a deal. How much did you lose and what lesson did you learn? Haven't lost money on a deal, knock on wood yet. I think... There have definitely been times where I haven't made as much as I thought or have had to put in a lot more of my own time than I anticipated. So I think one of the keys, again, comes back to buying low, making sure you do an inspection and just being really thorough in your upfront analysis and negotiations. What is the best ever way you like to give back? So there are two big organizations I work with and devote a lot of time and energy to. The first one is called Build, and the mission of Build is to help teach entrepreneurship in lower-income schools and help students start an actual functioning business while they're in class. So it's incorporated in the curriculum. The teachers are school employees and then 
have build mentors come in to help work with the students. So I mentor with them weekly on Thursdays, and that's been a really rewarding experience. And now I'm on the rising leaderboard for the Boston chapter. So getting to work at a more strategic level with them as well. The second organization is the Pan Mass Challenge, which is a 200-mile bike ride over two days. And we have a team of about 100 people, and we raised 500000 towards glioblastoma research. It's a rare brain cancer. John McCain famously passed away from glioblastoma, but doesn't get a lot of funding because as deadly as it is, the numbers aren't as high as other cancers in terms of actual people diagnosed with it. So that's been a really rewarding experience. Last year, the Pan Mass Challenge and as a whole raised $63 million to Dana-Farber. And some of that actually came from you and Joe. So I appreciate the donation towards my ride. I think that was super awesome of you guys. And that's just an amazing experience, amazing organization. 100% of rider-raised funds go directly towards cancer research. So they run a super lean team. It's heavily volunteer organized, and they're just really efficient with everything they do. And then lastly, what's the best ever place to reach you? James at gladcap.com for email. And then I'm also on Bigger Pockets. My website, Gladstone Capital, gladcap.com, Instagram, Gladstone Capital. So I think those are kind of the best areas. Perfect, James. Well, thanks for joining us today and walking us through your journey. I think the biggest takeaway that I got that I really enjoyed, I definitely want to think about a little bit more because it kind of goes against what I would say kind of conventional real estate wisdom where they were talking about the four-hour work week type of lifestyle, whereas yours is the concept of return on a headache is making sure that you're focusing on things that are hard, require a lot of effort and headache, but also have that super high return. So picking a few of those things, focusing on those, and then trying to make everything else passive. So as opposed to making everything passive, still have a few things that you put a lot of time and effort into, and then trying to take other things that are maybe a little bit of lower headache, but also don't result in as high of a return as those high headache tasks. So I definitely want to think about that one, but I appreciate you sharing that with us and also sharing the eight unit you currently have under contract, kind of walking us through the process for that and walking us through your process for raising money for your own deal for the first time. And then also we've got your best ever advice, which was super straightforward and simple and to the point, which is to buy low. So James, I appreciate you coming on the show. Best of listeners, as always, thank you for listening. Have a best ever day and I'll talk to you tomorrow.